Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 394. On this episode, we've got some cancellation and renewal news, and then we'll be recapping our time at the ATX Television Festival Season 7. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 394. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Lynn from Canada, the token Canadian on the panel. <laughs> Going international again. <laughs> and Ivy from Cooper's All-Time Pit Barbecue in Austin, Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice product placement. Uh... <laughs> Which, uh, spoiler alert for the uh, ATX recap, that's where Ivy spent most of his panel time. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm saying I spent more time at Cooper's than I did in some of the panel rooms. Yes, that's, that's fair. I feel funny that I can't even introduce myself properly because I'm, I, I feel like I, I'm getting the, the meat shakes from not having enough barbecue since we've been back. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been sick since we've been back. And so I've felt like I'm still in the Austin heat uh, with the uh, more of the fever sweats than the meat sweats. But uh, so, yeah, this this episode, this recap is a little bit uh, later than originally planned uh, to uh, get uh, recorded, but uh, feeling a bit better. So figured uh, we might as well finally record this before it, it is too far past to... Uh, to, to look at things, but uh, but before we get to the uh, ATX recap, we've a few uh, a few cancellation and uh, renewal uh, uh, in the news uh, since the uh, summer TV preview episode. Bravo has canceled Imposters after two seasons. I actually liked that show in the first season, but never kept up with it and into the and into the second season. That seems to be, I don't know, that seems to be happening to me a lot lately. <laughs> like, I find something that I kind of like, I start watching it, and then all of a sudden I got a few episodes of uh, Backlog, and then uh, I'm like, do I really want to watch that, or do I want to watch this other thing now that started? And it's a weird uh, cycle uh, that we've been going through here. Uh, next up... FX has renewed Atlanta and Legion for third seasons. And uh, I'm still behind on, well, season two of both of those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I'm missing it. Did you watch the second season of Legion, Ivy? I didn't. I don't think I made it to the end of the second episode of Legion. Just not for me. Not not saying it's bad. Just saying it's not for me. So yeah, I really enjoyed the first season of Atlanta, but just never. I don't know. It came back on at the wrong, at the wrong time when the second season came back on, uh, and uh, and Legion as well. Although I think I have, I can't remember now if I have uh, some of the episodes of of this season of Legion still. Uh, Still sitting on the DVR. Uh, but uh, in uh, new show news, uh, HBO has renewed Succession uh, for a second season. And it just, I think it just aired its third episode this past Sunday night. Mm -hmm. uh, so that got uh, a quick renewal. But that's sort of, I don't know, a lot of those premium cable channels tend to do that. Like, unless something really tanks. 
<laughs> like nobody watches it or something like that out of the box. They very seldom don't go at least two seasons with those things. Well, didn't HBO can't wasn't there kind of a classic example of the of the counter opposite where HBO canceled something they expected to be real big this just not that long ago? I think so. I can't remember uh, what it was, but yeah, I think there was something uh... here and now. That's what it was. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, it just didn't... <laughs> it left such a lasting impression. <laughs> it was here, and now it's gone. But um, And then uh, Netflix uh, has renewed 13 seasons, or 13 seasons, why? Uh, 13 reasons why for a third season. Uh, and then they've also uh, pulled uh, Lucifer back from cancellation and will be bringing that back for a fourth season. Yay for Lucifer fans, I guess. Yeah, that one, I mean, that one's kind of interesting. I mean, both of those are kind of interesting because uh, the second season of of 13 Reasons Why did not get, like, it seemed like people just didn't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen, I think, maybe one or two episodes, and I'm enjoying it so far. I just, but I'm not caring about it either, if that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the other thing, too, these days is, uh. Uh, and then, yeah, Lucifer being uh, pulled pulled back from uh, from cancellation by Netflix. Because uh, is that one? Is but were they put putting the previous seasons on Netflix, and maybe had some numbers of how well it did on their platform or something? I don't know. I don't know so either. I hadn't really looked into that one other than that it was brought back. Uh, just kind of kind of an interesting spot because it was because it's not like uh i mean it's a warner brothers produced show but it's not like the cw warner brothers shows that you know automatically end up on uh netflix yeah hulu hulu has has the streaming rights until like in the states at least until whatever happens because of the netflix thing so yeah that's uh I don't know. They must have seen, they must have seen something that, because, uh, because Netflix sort of seemed past that, you know, saving, uh, saving shows type of thing, except for you know something that made, you know, a lot of sense. Like they already had the streaming rights to something, or, you know, things like that. So, what have they actually saved over the years? I can't remember other than this, Kimmy uh, Schmidt. But that wasn't even really a save as much as it was just a after the fact pickup, after the past pickup. They yeah, took. To, well, they took Degrassi, or they helped finance Degrassi, but I don't know if that was necessarily of the same caliber as the others that you've mentioned. What's Degrassi? Am I supposed to know what that is? No, Degrassi. no, it's just Degrassi. It's some weird teen show that did really, really well in the states. Huh. Um. I know that there's others, and it's funny, I can't think of them either, but I, I feel like Netflix, if there's a cult following, they're willing to take the risk and pick it up. Yeah, it definitely had a pretty, you know, a pretty decent campaign uh, for, for the, you know, one of the, for the save, one of the Save Our Show campaigns, so it uh, did get a lot of, you know, fans of it out there. Uh, it was actually kind of... I mean, granted, Fox was going to mostly Fox-produced stuff, 
even though they're selling off their Fox TV stuff anyways, which still confuses me as to why you would uh, short-term go that direction. And Because Lucifer seemed like it was still performing as somewhat as decently as it had to have gotten picked up previous times. So, uh, And they yeah. promoted a heck of a lot here, that's for sure. So the ones we were thinking about were Logmire and The Killing. Thanks, Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They gave uh, The Killing a final season and uh, gave a couple, little, at least a couple seasons to Logmire. Uh, yeah, three, three, and apparently they're finishing up the, finishing up at three. Yeah. All right, and then uh, lastly, uh, TV Land renewed Younger for. I believe it's a sixth season. Is it the fifth that just started or the fourth that just started? I can't remember. Great question. The fifth season premiered this year. So the sixth season is what was renewed. Yeah. All right. So I was uh, correct there. Cause I, I still have issues with this show. <laughs> uh, I'm still, well, I'm four episodes back behind on last season. And then however many, the three or four we are into this season. So I, I don't, again, I don't think I made it past the second or third episode of the show. Just couldn't buy the, just couldn't my buy frustration the, and issue with it. Yeah. Could buy the premise. Didn't. Uh, no, I can't. Sutton Foster is an amazingly talented and beautiful woman. I cannot buy her as a 25 year old. I just can't. I'm sorry. That's why I feel like I'm too old to be watching younger. <laughs> well, you're, we're all the uh, we're all actually her age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, that'll uh, that'll do it for the news, and we'll move into our ATX Television Festival season seven recap, uh, which will also uh, kind of work as an extended uh, summer TV preview. As I mentioned uh, last on the last episode when we were going through the the summer TV schedule, uh, just the sheer amount of some of the new shows that were that we were talking about, but that we were all going to be uh, getting a chance to potentially see screenings of uh, at uh, at ATX, and so I ended up seeing a bunch of those. So we'll let you know what we thought about those shows as we go through and, uh, you know, recap the, uh, the highs and lows and everything in between of season seven of, uh, the ATX television festival. So, so we'll start on Thursday and, uh, Thursdays they've, they've, uh, they've expanded out the last couple of, um, the last couple of years. They used to just have like maybe a welcome thing, and maybe something else uh, during the during the day, and it was really all about the opening night screening. Uh, but this year they had a, a handful uh, of things uh, during the day, starting at at noon. So, uh, start with you, Lynn. What uh, what were your what was your uh, highlight of the? <laughs> Af- of the of the afternoon session of 
Well, I think you know what the answer is to that. But I mean, I will start off by saying I went to trial and error simply because it was the only thing that was available besides the welcome TV camp for grownups. And as this was my fifth time going, I thought, hey, why not check out trial and error again with friends? And I was really, really pleasantly surprised. Um, I'd seen a few episodes of of the show beforehand. Um, uh, I guess it was last season. And this year with um, Kristen Chenoweth, it's hilarious. I mean, I was shocked at how much I was laughing in the episode that they showcased. And, you know, she's just, you know, I, I don't think she can do anything wrong. I mean, she could read a phone book and she'd still be engaging and charming. And certainly uh, having them there, um, Nicholas De- uh, D'Agosto, I'm hoping I pronounced that properly, um, you know, was was just a lot of fun to see them. So that was great. Uh, like I said, pleasantly surprised. And then my favorite highlight of the day, well, almost favorite highlight of the day was <laughs> seeing fellow Canadian, because, you know, I got to support my people, um, Taylor Kitsch in Waco. I think three quarters of the audience is probably there because they were expecting to see Riggins. And uh, I hope that wasn't the case. But the screening of it, they showed, I think it was the third episode, which was phenomenal. And if you had sort of lived through that, that era when that happened, um, even here in Toronto, I remember I was in university um, studying for exams and it was on TV and uh, it was a pretty heartbreaking story. And it's it's a really, really good depiction, I think, um, based on uh, a few books um, by people who lived through it. Um, and it was just, yeah, mind boggling. It was fabulous TV. And I'm very upset that I won't be able to see it for a little while longer. Um, and then Lodge 49, I can't even begin to understand <laughs> what that was about. What are you talking yet, about? It was great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there's an example where casting makes you actually want to kind of see where it's going to go. The show is, I, I can't even read this, the synopsis. I'm sure Jason, you'll post it, but it's basically a modern fable set in Long Beach about a disarmingly optimistic local ex surfer. Dud. That should say it all. Um, and it's played by Wyatt Russell, comes from a huge uh, family pedigree of actors. Dad is Kurt Russell, mom is Goldie Hawn, sister is Kate Hudson. Wait, and what? Oh, you did not know this? No. Or are you just being cheeky? No, no, I did not know this. Oh, Apparently okay, well, spoiler alert. Yeah, um, Wyatt, for those of you who don't know, um, was going to, I think originally was trying to become a professional hockey player. I don't know how far along he went. The family moved to Vancouver so he could play, I think, junior hockey. Um, and he was last seen, I think, in Goon 2, which was shot here. So he played a hockey player. He's charming. The show is so bizarre. And yet there's something likable about him and um, the other character, Ernie, played by Brent Jennings. And you still kind of go, what the heck is it? Um, I ran out because I had to get to another thing, but I didn't wasn't there for the Q&A, but I still don't know what to make of it. And I don't know how on earth they're going to make a series out of this, so I'm really curious to know what will happen with it. 
So that's my two cents. And then I won't say anything about sharp objects because I'm sure we'll all talk about that. Yeah, how about you during the day there, Ivy? Well, I don't have much more to add about the Lodge 49. I think I sat through most of the Q&A and don't think, other than no, the the only thing I really took away from the Q&A was the sense of the show not knowing what it was supposed to be, or at least seemingly not knowing what it was supposed to be, was on purpose. I don't, I think, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Dan Feinberg who <laughs> moderated the panel that says, I commend you for not committing to what the show is in the first episode. And I'm like, I don't. Wow. <laughs> That's the reason why I won't. It's one of the many reasons why I won't be back. Um, and I think the other thing that I went to was the critic showdown, um, which did not have everyone. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah. Someone didn't show, but it was Mo Ryan. It was. Um, Terry Ariano and um, Sarah Rodman from EW. And uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I'm not always, I, I feel like I hear, and I say this to someone who used to do it in my spare time, I feel like I hear from TV critics all the time because that's how I engage with the medium outside of just watching it. Um, so I don't necessarily need that at a con, but. I, you know, I, this was a day where I didn't have a lot going on. So I, I appreciate that. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Mo. I don't necessarily agree with her even most of the time, but I appreciate her takes on things. So it was, it was a good chat. Yeah. I think, uh, Tim Goodman, like, uh, yes, it was missed, Tim. missed his plane and wasn't able to get there for that, but, uh, apparently was able to get there for, uh, later things that he was moderating, uh, over the weekend. But, uh, yeah, uh, I went to uh, the trial and error because I really liked the first season uh, of that show. It has a, I don't know, just a bizarre uh, sense of humor, and uh, and they they don't let up here in the second season. And I think Kristen Chenoweth is like the perfect type of uh, person to put into that that type of world uh to play around and uh so i i mean i laughed a lot in that in that first episode and i look forward to i definitely look forward to that uh when that that returns for a second season and uh i also went to the i went to a panel about uh, talking about unca- uncabling and a bunch of different uh people from like Roku and YouTube and a bunch of different things. And it was a less than stellar conversation. Uh, I also went to the critics throwdown, which was, uh, which was an, an interesting conversation, but I also watched uh, lodge 49. Uh, and I'm, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. <laughs> like, I do think the lead is like, he's watchable and like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, but the the whole time I'm just going like, like what is this? Like what's the like what are they setting up? Like what is the point? Are we just gonna follow this guy just sort of dumb luck his way through life and and join this lodge? And uh, you know what? It it seems like they have maybe something set up, uh, but then 
to hear Ivy talk about actually since you stayed for the Q and A that they don't <laughs> actually. I mean, I think I, I don't want to imply like I think they know what the story is. I don't think that necessarily. Uh, so I think what Feinberg said was he committed to the. He commended the creators for not committing to what the show is going to be in the first episode, which is not to say that it doesn't know what it's going to be, but I sure as heck didn't at the end of it. So, you know, I, I think that's translation for a moderator trying to be nice when he's going, what the hell? <laughs> and he doesn't know either. And he doesn't know where to start the conversation. That's my take of it. But yeah. maybe that I'm just jaded. Yeah, it could be. So. So, yeah. I don't think a lot of us will be uh, uh, checking out uh, Lod 49. What is that going to be? And it's going to be on. I think it's going to be. I think this is what your question is. And I'm yeah. sorry, I'm what jumping is it in. It's going to be on. I think it's AMC, which to me seems even more preposterous. Yeah, it's going to. Yeah, it is. It's on AMC. Uh, okay. And then uh, lastly, on uh, we all went to uh, the opening night screening of. Uh, HBO's new show, uh, Sharp Objects. And uh, so, Ivy, what did you think of uh, of Sharp Objects? I, I, I enjoyed it. I think, I don't know, I'd like to read the book now. I think I've decided I want to try to read the book before the series starts, um, whenever the series premiere to get it knocked in. It's... It's, I think, more a sequel to, or at least a thematic sequel to the first season of True Detectives than it is a thematic sequel to uh, Gone Girl or anything else I've seen by um, Flynn in the past. Um, it's it's very Southern Gothic. It's very, um, you know, it's I, the, th- the thought that kept running through my head that evening was that Amy Adams was definitely, while was playing a reporter, certainly was playing as far against... Um, Lois Lane as she possibly could. Um, not to say that that you know this the character is not accomplished or not um, determined, um, but definitely not. <laughs> well, her not boss, character. her boss, basically tells you you're not gonna. You're, it's it's not like you're gonna win a Pulitzer. You don't write that well. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, um, she definitely not I, on I the same said, caliber. It was it, it was it was interesting. I, I'm in on it. I think. I I said this to you guys at some point over the weekend that if if it had been anybody other than Amy Adams, whom I'm such a big fan of, I don't know if I would still be in. Um, but I think she brings a her performance imbues the character, makes you interested in a character that I think is otherwise largely not that interesting, or at least not that interesting in the first episode. So I think her gravitas brings more to the character than what the writing has on the page. How about you, Lynn? Yeah. I mean, I would never compare it to true detective because I'm probably one of the few people that couldn't stand that show, that series. And I forced myself to watch it through both seasons. And I, you know, I, I loved that sort of darkness to it. I really loved Gone Girl. I'm very much in agreement with Ivy and the fact that I feel like I need to read the book before seeing the rest of the show. Um, I love the way it was shot. I mean, Jean-Marc Vallée um, is just, the way he shoots things is just amazing. And 
Yeah, like Ivy said, she's she's really Amy Adams is really an unlikable character, but you know, she there's just something about it and and certainly the little flashes that you see um without giving anything away kind of lead you to believe that there's more to her um than what you see. And the one who to me really stole the show in terms of the cast is Patricia Clarkson. I mean, I don't think Patricia Clarkson gets enough credit for the work that she does. And she plays this very Tennessee Williams-ish, you know, Blanche Dubois, Blanche Dubois, I'm using the wrong names, I think, um, Southern woman who's just, yeah, she's just such a, I don't even want to tell you because I think it's just worth seeing. Um, but she's phenomenal in it. And uh, I'm really interested in seeing more, but I definitely want to read the books. Um, I think it was really interesting how the show came together. Um, and it sounded like it was it was quite a complex process. Um, it had been in development for a while. And then it was sort of like six degrees of separation, I believe, um, how different partners came into play with HBO and E1. Um, so I'm always interested in that. And it was interesting hearing the showrunner um, talk about how she was kind of a kindred spirit with um, Gillian Flynn, uh, the the author of the book. So I found that really fascinating too. But I'm a geek that way, so. But I would definitely turn in tune in to watch. Yeah, I think for me it was it was slow and almost too slow. But like I think too slow for the environment in which it was watching it in. Absolutely. Sitting in, while the Paramount is a great old theater, the operative word is old. (laughs) And the seats are not comfortable. And once everybody was packed in there, it the the AC was not keeping up and it was it was too warm. Uh and then when you have those two elements and then you have an hour-long episode that uh, while has some engaging moments and characters and things happening, uh, it just, it was hard to, I don't know, it was hard to keep my attention. So I'm kind of interested to see what my thoughts would be just, you know, watching it at home under like normal TV watching circumstances. If I would, uh, I don't know, be taken out of it by I wouldn't be taken out of it by other things I feel you that was the opening night screening and uh Lynn did anything else happen on Thursday night oh I don't know uh yeah there was a couple of things that happened post-screening outside the Paramount really anything anything important or uh worth announcing Uh... How come I did all the announcing? Uh, yeah, a certain TV holic made me a future Mrs. TV holic three years to the day after we first met. So that was pretty awesome. Um, after sweltering in 104 degree heat and then sitting in the Paramount Theater. Um, so I also think that's part of the reason why you may have you not I... been as interested in the show because you were a little focused on post show. Um, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, but that was pretty darn amazing. So translation, I am now engaged to Mr. TV Holic himself. 
Woohoo! Yay! Yes. Uh, that, that is correct. We are engaged. We met uh, outside the uh, Paramount uh, after the opening night screening of uh, season four. And, uh, you know, things have uh, developed from there to uh, I did the whole... The whole shindig got down on one knee and everything uh, right there. Uh, we you did a, well. So maybe I'll uh, we'll post that one picture in the show notes. Probably they have this great photo that Ivy actually took that uh, back across the other direction. And so you can see some of the people that were coming out of the theater and stuff like that. And <laughs> there's just this, uh, this one woman with the big, like, Oh my God, look on her face, uh, which is the best, like, background photo bomb <laughs> she, uh, she replied on the atx post i don't know if you saw that or not i wasn't too sure i think she was the person behind it that we replied i don't think it was her but yeah we got some know. really lovely uh, things another person that i've had as a guest on the on this podcast before was actually standing behind melissa uh when uh it all went down and she messaged me and said hey i'm a who who knew? Because <laughs> we'd never we'd never met in person. We'd only talked online, so she didn't know that uh, you know she sort of knew me uh, until she saw the ATX post, uh, and then yeah. uh, and then she's like, "That's that's me standing behind the woman in green." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, small world, small world it is." Yeah, I had a couple of six degrees of separation too, and and just wanted to before we move on because we, I'm sure we don't want to bore people with our engagement story, but, um, yeah, I I just want to shout out to the lovely Emily and um, Caitlin and Nick Wexler just because you know I I just think those women are incredible women for putting on this amazing festival. And last year, I kind of told them that something was going on. And about five minutes before Jason proposed, I was going to tell her that things were going really, really well and everything else. And so, strangely enough, she was like the first person I thought of besides telling my... Actually, I don't even think I thought to think about, oh, my God, I have to call my parents. It was, I have to go tell Emily. And so I actually chased her down and Nick Wexler and Matt Loria were standing right there and they couldn't have been sweeter. Um, they truly are ATX ambassadors and Nick was kind enough to do a little video blurb um, that they posted on the ATX um, platforms, which was lovely. And it was, it was really sweet that um, we got so many best wishes from people that, you know, were part of your podcast that, that people that we had met through the festival um, which was really, really sweet. So that was kind of our announcement to our friends too. So it was very, very cool. So I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I got a few of the, uh, I heard there was an, an engagement at ATX. Didn't know it was you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, type posts and stuff like that on our announcement. But, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was Thursday. That could have, I don't know. It could have played. A minor role in uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a minor role and how and how distracted I was <laughs> watching. Uh, I mean, because that also could have been a, a factor in that it 
of it feeling long was like, oh my God, how long is this going to go before we get to the Q&A? And, uh... True. True. But I also think, um, you know, we're in, I think we're in a world now we're all so rushed and we want everything to pace to be fast. We get impatient when things have a slow build. And I, and I really think as we watch TV now, you know, we're binge watching, we're doing everything. Like, we don't want to wait for anything. Like, we want to know who did it right away. We want to know, you know, and it's kind of funny, like, even watching other shows like Mindhunter and everything, you're like, I want to know who did it. And it's like, slow down a bit and enjoy the ride. And I think that's what uh, the show is going to be like. But yeah. Shall we move on, my future right. husband? We'll move on to Friday. So what did... Uh... What did you do on Friday, Ivy? Friday. You know, I felt like I was just basking in the glory of... Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> a barbecue? Friday, Friday was pro probably... Friday had one of my favorite... my One of my low-key favorite panels of the, of the week. And that was the uh, on-duty presentation. Um, and this had a series of showrunners and creatives and... Uh, also military advisors, um, and then was hosted by the um, Student Veterans of America uh, group, and it was a it was a particularly well done um, discussion. There was some interesting back and forth. I, I particularly the uh, the folks that did um, the long road home, uh, both from a showrunner perspective and from a consultant perspective, were there, um, and that was really interesting because. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna mess up the guy. Oh no, no, that's one of the easier names to say. Uh, Tyler Gray was the um, it was the other gentleman's name that I was gonna mess up if I try to say it. Tyler Gray was a consultant there um, and was an active participant in the battle that was uh, portrayed in the in the TV series along the Long Road Home. So that was interesting. Good back and forth. He had some um, really good insights. There were a couple of veterans in the audience that you can tell were interested in getting into the industry. And he was able to give some really good feedback there. My favorite part of the, sh part of the experience though, was, um, while it wasn't the focus, Graham Yost, um, ATX favorite Graham Yost, um, told a couple of stories that connected back to both his experiences, both on band of brothers and the Pacific and Band of Brothers is probably one of the two or three kind of key cornerstone influential pieces of television for me. Um, I've read I've read pretty much every book, every autobiography from the gentlemen that were portrayed in the series. I'm just a huge fan. I don't need to. Um, and so that was really great to get to hear some some stories there. So um, that was, again, probably my favorite low key panel of the day. I also saw the Brockmeyer panel, which was pretty good. Um, I've, I've not picked up the show this season because they dropped my favorite character, uh, at least from a, um, regular perspective to a recurring perspective. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Condor. Uh, I visited the directors, the full season directors panel for just a little bit on my way from one thing to the other. And unfortunately wasn't there enough to really kind of engage. Um, but then I got to my other, probably less low key, um, favorite panel of the week was the, uh, Winona Earp panel. And, it was interesting, the the fervor, the fan adoration, the excitement for that panel uh, was really, really cool to be a part of. It was one of those instances where the 
um, fast pass line uh, was significantly larger and more boisterous than the regular line, which was cool because I kind of just hung out in the lobby of the Steven of the of the Intercontinental and just was like my mindset was if it's going to be crazy to get in, I'm not going to fight. But if there's space at the end, I'm going to go enjoy it. And that's exactly what happened. It was really, really good. Um, the cast is, I mean, it's a fantastic cast that obviously there's a, a, a good deal of, of um, camaraderie between it. And Emily Andress is just one of the funniest damn people that you're going to have, you're going to see there the entire week. So she's one of those people that I try to attend any panel she's on um, just because she's so engaging and fun and smart and, and, and passionate and just the quintessential great panelist to be to be in a room with. So kind of my day. How about you, Lynn? Yeah, well, nice segue into that because I went to Modern Fandom with Emily Andrus as one of the panelists. And um, it was really interesting because, I, again, it was like one of those things where it was a scheduling issue, trying to figure out what I could see to maximize my time. And I don't watch any of the shows that, or I guess some of them are being developed, but um, that were being, that the panelists were on. So, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. The panelists that were there have new shows that I probably wouldn't watch or haven't watched, as in Winona Earp. Um, but they were also compelling, and they're coming from a different perspective. Um, there was Karina McKenzie, who's um, um, working on Roswell, New Mexico, James Lafferty from Everybody, Everyone is Doing Great, and Miles McKenna from All Night, um, and moderated by Mo Ryan. Um, so James Lafferty comes from One Tree Hill, and he's um, crowdfunding a new show. And it was interesting to get his perspective about fandom, because he hasn't experienced it yet as a creator of a show, but he has as an actor. And um, certainly as as... Ivy was saying, Emily is just so compelling. I mean, I follow her on Twitter and she is a riot. And the the fan base of Erpers, I think that's what they're called, right, Ivy? Erpers, something like that. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, they were in there in full force. And I had some amazing conversations with um, some fans and other TV fans. There was a, a fan from Australia who's doing her PhD on, 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 um, TV criticism and, and things like that. So it was just, it was fabulous. And, and really what I found so interesting was the fact of how important social media is, especially with shows um, that have underrepresented people, whether it's um, minorities or from LGBTQ communities and how they have a sense of responsibility um, to that, which I thought was really interesting. And Emily Andrus was really saying, you know, if there's an argument that's going on, she tends not to get into it. But if it's on her feed, she'll she'll break it down kind of thing. She'll she'll shut it shut it down. Um, but they were really saying how how important social media is and how they get that direct feedback. But at the end of the day, you know, it's already shot. Um, but. You know, sometimes I can't remember if it was in this session, but I'm pretty sure it was that somebody was saying like, oh, no, it was in another session. I'll keep it for later. But basically how people are, are going around them to say, can you tell so and so that your sh the show really sucks and they need to do this? And it was it was kind of interesting how they were chatting about how the fan base gets so caught up in everything. And, and sometimes it's, 
you know, there is some negativity and there are some trolls out there, but overall they were saying it's been a pretty positive experience and to really help grow the series and really make it a standout. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I really had wanted to go to Emerging Studios, but again, it was like one of those scheduling things and I went to Condor instead, um, which I'm really kind of interested in seeing. The The funny thing I found with Condor is the lead was the least likable character, um, which I thought was kind of bizarre because normally you want the lead to be the strongest one. Um, but his best friend um, was a lot more compelling and he was actually attending the screening and he was actually a great panelist. Like he, he really knew how to work the room. Like he, you know, he was like making connections with people when he was answering questions and everything. Um, yeah, he, I think it's Christopher Palaha. I hope I'm not saying that right. I'm probably not saying it right. Um, um, yeah, and I mean, they had the two other female leads, Catherine Cunningham and Kristen Hager, um, moderated by Denver Birnbaum, who I, I do like as a moderator. Um, so I definitely want to check that out. I don't know if it's going to make it to Canadian television. A lot of audience network stuff seems to get buried sometimes on our Bravo or sometimes on our showcase, but I'm, I'm hoping that it'll show up. Um, what else did I see? Oh, yeah, and then I don't know... Again, maybe maybe this is my rationale for <laughs> seeing the next the right one. Headspace for the next one. <laughs> I was in the right headspace to see Love Is. I knew nothing about the creators, which shows my ignorance having left the, the business. Um, and the opening of the segment for Love Is was just sort of describing love. And I was sitting there with googly eyes, which is probably really disgusting for the people sitting beside me, which I think um, was I one know, of our I friends as well. You. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you kind of looked at me and rolled your eyes too. So I'm sure you got it too. Um, but yeah, the chemistry with the two leads, which I think would be a really difficult thing because basically the series is about the courtship of the, the, two creators of the show and producers of the show who have produced and directed a number of, of hit um, series. So you're basically playing your boss, which I thought would be really from, from an acting perspective has to be a challenge, but they were so freaking sexy. I swear. I don't know how the screen did not melt. Um, Michelle Weaver and Will Catlett. I mean, unbelievable. Um, and uh, they're basically playing Salim Akil and uh, Mara Brock Akil's uh, love story. And it was great, amazing soundtrack. And from the PR person at OWN, they said that they will be putting a almost like a Spotify music list. Spoiler alert, because they weren't going to announce it until ATX. Um, and they said that they will be having that, I guess, on the OWN platform because the music... I just, it, it brought me back. I'm aging myself, but it brought me back to uh, some things. And spandex shorts, bike shorts play a role in it, which just made me laugh hysterically because, again, it was flashing back to uh, a jock in my high school who sported them, but I'm not going to ruin the storyline, but it was quite funny. And apparently a lot of the sets, um, locations that they shot at were the actual locations of uh, where their courtship happened, so... 
again, I was googly eyed, but I, I think it would be worth checking out too. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you're right. The, the two, the two leads playing the younger version of the couple is like, they, <laughs> they are too good looking. It's almost illegal. Yeah, but then, that's, yeah, they are, they are both pretty good looking. Uh, but they just, I don't know. It works. Like they're, it's not, uh, the chemistry is there. Like, you could see, because the the story is sort of told in, uh, of like the older couple looking back at how their, you know, their life uh, together and in Hollywood, you know, got started, uh, and uh, and so it's so you have both, you know, you have a you have a couple actors playing the older version of the characters, and then. And then you see them playing the the younger uh, couples, and they all they all work uh, really well. Uh, they did talk about how it was a little bit more uh, inspired by than like uh, direct biography, uh, but the first episode definitely does hit on a lot of the major moments of how they actually did meet and and where they met and and things like that. Uh, but they're leaving it open for, uh, while they have an idea, obviously, of where the story goes, uh, of leaving it a little bit more uh, open as to how they get there. And they'll just be using some moments of their life as sort of like tentpole moments to tell different story points and things like that uh, over the course of the show. Uh, but uh, that one looked pretty good. But Condor also was, uh, it had a, a solid action, uh, you know, bit to it with uh, some conspiracy, uh, also told in, you know, sort of multiple uh, timeline storylines. Uh, and the lead just ends up in a really bad spot. And <laughs> you want to uh, like him, but uh, you're not sure that he's going about... <laughs> Uh, what he's doing the best way uh, possible, but he's really difficult to like at the end of that for that second episode. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but I believe they do have. I mean, if you want to check that one out, and you don't have Audience Network or you know Directv or AT and T cable, uh, I believe they do have the first couple episodes out on their website to uh, uh, to take a look at to see. Um, but yeah, that's one. That's one I would like to see. But I have. Uh, there's no. I don't have AT and T or Directv, so uh, I guess I'm gonna have to find somebody that does and see if they'll let me uh, log in and uh, watch uh, there. Because there's no. Because I'm not gonna add a whole thing of Directv just so I can watch the Audience Network, you know, for. Uh, for a show, unfortunately, they don't have like access to just audience network that you could get like streaming wise or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, those were. What did you think of uh, Condor Ivy? You know i I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark Amory. Um, I I 
I don't want to be spoilery, but the the characters that I was most interested in throughout the two of the three characters that I was most interested in in the second episode obviously are not central to the story. And that's, you know, central to the story. So that's, it's, read, th- read through that what you will. <laughs> and I'm not, yep. you know, especially based on the content of the show. Um, but I, you know, I really did like, um, is it Catherine Cunningham? I like, I like her. So I liked her character, even though we didn't see much. And so she's probably the primary reason why I would tune back in. Uh, you know, one of the downsides was us having, if you, they've screened the second episode, which makes sense. It was the right episode to screen um, from everything what you guys have said about the, the first episode. And well, uh, the, the, and the, the first episode had just aired like on audience network, like on Wednesday night, you know, or, or on Thursday night or something like that. So it was, uh, it would have been them screening. They were trying to do like, here's a screening of an episode that hasn't aired yet type of thing. Yeah. I will say that. Oh, why can't I remember his name? I'm going to feel like an idiot. I can pull it up. I will. Which uh, character? No, I'm going to feel like a jerk because it's. Not the lead, but the other guy. Um, Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. yeah. He was he was, again, not one of the characters I'm talking about, but was fantastic. How could I forget him? Yes, 100%. So, again, not one of the not one of the characters I was talking about from a character appreciation perspective, but fa- a fantastic portrayal of a genuinely uninteresting character but by by intent. He's captivating. Again, it's like, you know, he's been away from the screen, either silver screen or small screen for a while. And you forget that he is a really talented actor and you can really see it in this role. And so I'm really kind of hoping, and I can't believe that I forgot another fellow Canuck um, because he was just so good in it. I'm, I'm kicking myself or not. I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there are, a, there are a lot of good people in this cast. William Hurt's in it. Um, I won't mention Mara Sorvino as a list of the great Ugh. people of the cast, <laughs> um, but it's 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 a pretty solid cast. Um, was was Kate Vernon in the episode we watched, or was she in something else that we watched this weekend? She was in something, and I no, can't I think, think of it either. Because she's, uh, isn't she William Hurt's wife in the show? Uh, sure. I don't remember. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think we see her a couple times when he's at, uh, at home or something. All right. So, but yeah, it's, I, like, I, I, I didn't hate it is kind of the perfect thing there. This is, this is the type of, this is the genre that I live in. And the fact that I didn't react strongly to it to me was pretty telling. Yeah. It's like, I'll wait, I'll wait for Jack Ryan to come out on Amazon to scratch that particular itch later this year. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to, cause there's no real good, easy way to get access to it. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, speaking of uh, things that uh, we didn't hate 
to bring it back to barbecue, we all went out to the Salt Lake <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on Friday night instead of doing any of the uh, outdoor screenings for Parks and Rec or the Mayans MC screening that they were doing. Uh, we uh, money well spent. We decided, yeah, we decided, uh, we decided to go out. It's definitely, it's definitely an experience because it's just way out. <laughs> and there was tons of people there and they were just that open pit man was just cooking up the stuff <laughs> oh it was it was all all good hey pro tip don't leave your phone in the back of a, a lift yes that's that's uh that's that's true as well the definitely don't leave don't leave anything in the back of uh of a, of a lift because that uh, only makes the lift more expensive. <laughs> but and yet you you didn't forget the leftovers. You you left the phone and not the barbecue leftovers. So I guess that kind of says how good the barbecue was. Well, I think it was the barbecue's fault that I forgot my phone because they were both sitting on the on the <sighs> the bench of the car. Leave the phone and the barbecue. And that was and that was day two barbecue two for me. That was my second barbecue of the of the week in just two days. But also, I don't want to think of how many barbecues we were at yeah, at that point. That was uh that was also your that was just like your day, wasn't it? Like that wasn't Oh that, no comment. Wasn't that the day that you lost the or you your glasses yeah, broke, broke and you, glasses lost you lost your water bottle and <laughs> and then you yeah. lost your phone. My poor, sad, pitiful tale. And so yeah, it was. Uh, when they say things come in threes, they uh, apparently do. But you had a good meal. But yeah, that's. Uh, it wasn't all bad, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how about uh, Saturday? Saturday is kind of the. I don't know. Saturday was kind of a big day that went. Well deep into the night there with the uh, whiskey cavalier uh, screening but uh start with you Lynn what were your highlights of Saturday um one that i that i found interesting but i kind of wish they had done more was two steps forward one step back establishing a career um it had Liz Tigler from who just is like one of those panelists you just love and she's an ATX board member and i think kind of an ambassador for sure um, Patrick Sean Smith and Anna Frick and Jonathan Tucker from Kingdom, who and who is just amazing, and um, Brian Seabury, who is the head of drama development at CBS. So it was kind of an interesting mix of people, and I was really, it was really interesting to hear how they got started. Um, both Liz Tigler and Anna Frick both started on Dawson's Creek, give or take, about the same time, and it was really interesting to hear how they got uh, involved. And again, it's like one of those things where it's like networking, like you've never networked before. And so I think Anna Frick basically found out that somebody graduated from her university that was working on the show or something else. And she reached out and, and it was, it was kind of fun to hear how that happened. Um, having worked in the business and sort of had that kind of weird thing happen to me where I had called to ask about a job and said that they didn't have anything. And then the week later, somebody recommended me for that same job. Um, it was kind of interesting to hear that. And then certainly from uh, a 
broadcast network um, perspective, it was really interesting to hear how he said he was like an English major and how he kind of fell into the role. I, I really am looking forward to hopefully re um, watching this session because I feel like I missed out on a lot of details. But he was really interesting in how he was very supportive of the people that worked with him and um, very different to the way the Canadian model works. And I'm sure the international model works. He was saying for people that were interested in and getting involved from a network perspective, um, how a lot of them come from the agencies like the CAAs and the William Morris and, and things like that and how they learn how to work the phones and, and deal with that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It, I kind of wish that they had had an international person just to give it a different perspective. Um, and then Jonathan Tucker was kind of interesting on his perspective as an actor and how you know, he brings everything to the role. And then when they have guest directors, how, you know, they're coming, they're coming in, they're coming into a show that's already established and he's, you know, he's kind of having to train them um, in a way, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, and he really kind of held his ground on, on certain things. And it sounds like, I guess he feels like he's at that stage in his career where not that he could afford to be choosy, but that, um, you know, he, he feels more entitled to speak up a little bit and I don't think in necessarily a rude way. Um, so again, you know, I, I think it would have been really interesting. I wish I had brought a notepad because there was a lot of interesting things there. Um, and then what else was on that day? There was a lot that day. I feel like that was jam packed, um, with some really, yeah, that some was great the day family. I think I went to every venue. Yes. And you still didn't win anything from the contest, which is really sucks. Well, I don't I think also, I ended up tweeting those out either, so. No. Um, yeah, what do you have to do to, to get free swag from ATX? Get married, I guess. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think we should just register for the merch table. Maybe that'll work. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I saw, which just... <laughs> As a TV longtime fan, I feel like I grew up on TV um, to see the one day at a time panel and the respect that was given to Rita Moreno was it was like I had goosebumps. It's just like the woman is one of the few people who has an EGOT, you know, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. She's 85 freaking years old and she's a dynamo, looks amazing, is hilarious in the show. Um, I'm still getting through the second season. Um, and I understand through the panel that it, it's a pretty poignant season finale. Um, and just really hearing how Norman Lear and um, the producer, let me just grab her name, um, or the director, Pamela, or sorry, um, I guess it's uh, Gloria calderon Kellett, um, had her meeting with Norman Lear. And it was just something like, you just can't imagine something that amazing happening. She goes in to take a meeting and basically gives her opinion. And he's like, no, we should do that. And like basically gets hired on the spot. It was just, it was something out of a movie or a TV show, the way it all developed. And um, it, it was just really interesting to hear some of the audience um, because some of the characters uh, go through different things. They're representing different um, communities and it, it was one of those ones where you hate when you go to a panel or a session and people are like a commentary or like just get to the freaking question. 
But in this case, it was just proving yet again how important television is to people and how it changes their lives for the better. Um, there were people who, and especially in the Latina community, understand, you know, coming out is a very difficult thing. Um, people were saying how their kids who came out said, I'm now watching something that makes me feel normal. I mean, I have goosebumps just, just you know, talking about it. I mean, I know there were people in the audience that were getting um, choked up about the response that it's had. Um, people within the Latina community being represented um, by so many different people. And Rita Moreno talking about West Side Story, how, you know, she's a very light-skinned Latina and they put like four, like, four layers of dark um, uh, concealer on her when she was doing it. And just, it was just uh, unbelievable. Um, as a TV fan, even if you haven't watched the show, I think you should. Um, just if, you, if you're not even interested in the show, watch the panel because it's such a great perspective from all the different age groups, from, um, you know, representing different communities, you know, a freaking legend like Rita Moreno, um, the fact that she got a standing ovation at the beginning just speaks volumes to the respect that she deserves. And the fact that the festival is, you know, we call it TV camp for grownups, but these are hardcore fans and people recognize her for the incredible, incredible body of work that she's done. So that, that was kind of my highlight actually of the festival, um, but I'm going on and on. So I'll just shut up now. That's my line. <laughs> How about you, Ivy? Any uh, any highlights of the the during the day? We'll all talk about uh, Whiskey Cavalier at the end. Mm. Yeah, I'll say the um, the Women Who Defy panel um, was really good. I primarily went there because it's one of the I kind of locked in on a couple of people to attend everything that they were doing. And Sarah Gamble of for me, magicians fame, but uh, but from a a couple of other shows that I think fans are are big fan you know cult followings. Um, but her participation in that panel drove me to, to attend there. Um, but that was really good. It had, um, Emily Andrus again, Sarah Gamble, um, Karina Mack, uh, the aforementioned Roswell showrunner, um, whose story is still kind of one of my favorite is favorites in TV about how she got into the, the writing biz and in just five years is kind of running her own show. Um, the fourth panelist is Matt, um, Maddie Hassan, who is, on impulse, which I'll talk about here in a second. And I kind of felt bad for her during, during the panel because you had three people that are used to commanding the room. Um, I guess through the three lady showrunners who are fantastic and engaging and you, they kind of sucked in all the air in the room and, and Maddie didn't really get much of a chance. And I think being at the end of the row didn't, didn't do her any favors. Um, she added some really good anecdotes, but I think her voice was really kind of missed in that panel. And I'm glad I got to see later uh, during the Impulse um, screening. And I'll say of, of all of the shows that are out there, Impulse is probably the, that I got to see the first for the first time. Impulse is the one that I probably had the strongest reaction to and came home and got YouTube premium and um, powered through the, the whole first season already and was really, really enjoyed it. Um, so that was kind of my, my next piece was, was that panel. And I, I know others didn't appreciate it as much as I did, but the, the kind of the fun playfulness between her and, uh, her castmate 
Missy Pyle was fantastic and fun and uh, and uh, kind of disproved all the concerns I had. I was like, wow, she's really oh, nope. There she is. There's there's that there, there's kind of that fun dynamic person that you always want to see on stage. So those are kind of my two big highlights: was the women who defy, um, which was a, a a crowded full room, which is always fun. Um, I particularly enjoyed. It's it's one of those things. Either it was the TV camp special of Don't Be a Jerk, or it was people caught up in the moment, but the, um, Melanie and, um, and I can't cat, I think from, um, Winona Earp were sitting in the back row and I think, you know, they they had their hats pulled down. I mean, they weren't, they weren't hiding, but they were uh, there to support their showrunner. And I don't, I don't know if anybody came to bother them the entire time. And it's just like that it speaks to how cool and fun ATX is, because if that were to happen at, San Diego Comic-Con, I don't think that would occur. You know what I mean? So it was it was neat to see the fans enjoy what was there instead of the fact that, um, again, many of the Erpers were, 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 had followed the room um, and just let them be, which I thought was really cool, really indicative of what ATX is kind of all about. So my two highlights. Uh, yeah, for me on Saturday, I was all over the place. The, uh, the Nash Bridges writer's room was, uh, <laughs> it turned out to be kind of fun just for some of the stories and things that they had to, uh, to tell. And, and so that was kind of fun. Uh, the, uh, don't take that tone with me panel, uh, wasn't that great, but the joke of don't take that tone with me was fun. Because uh, every time somebody came to get in line, the lady would say, <laughs> she would say, don't take that tone with me. And for a half a second, you were like, oh, she's asking me if that's the line I'm trying to get into. But uh, I think mainly uh, as while I haven't come home and uh, got YouTube read and uh, taken down the whole thing, I did quite enjoy the uh, first episode of Impulse as well. And uh, looking forward to seeing where, uh, I mean, that's one that might get me to at least sign up for, you know, like a month. Uh, yeah, it helped that they yeah. put the first three episodes online for free. And I was sitting at the airport for longer than I'd intended on, on Sunday afternoon. So I, I, I jumped in about two and a half or another episode and a half by the time I even got on the plane. Wow. It it was a very unique show that kind of leaves you going, what the? I wasn't as thrilled as you said, Ivy, of their little witty repartee between the talent because it started getting a little too jokey. And I, I, because it's such an interesting show, I wanted to hear more from them about the show. Um, I mean, it's great that they have that chemistry, but I just kind of felt like it was this shtick that went on a little too long. And it was like, oh, Missy Pyle, I want more attention. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I kind of want to actually try to try the YouTube original. I think it's a really, it's a smart show to kind of launch. Cause it kind of hits that. I don't want to say it hits a millennial demographic, but in a way it does. Um, and it's twisted and it's got a whole whack of Canadian actors that I love. So not to be all pro Canada, don't get me wrong, audience members, yeah, but no, it's not just, at all. That's not at not all. Not at all. No, but I just think it's just like it's always fun 
And I'm sure it's the same thing. Like we've had this conversation, Ivy, where you, when you see something and they mess up Virginia and, um, you know, or they, you know, shoot something and they make it look like Seattle or whatever. Like there's so much great talent out there. You always want to claim people as your own. Um, and you know, like David James Elliott from JAG for crying out loud. I mean, he hasn't been around for a while. Like, um, that was kind of fun to see. So yeah. Um, great talent and great producers behind the scenes that I've indirectly worked with, which is kind of cool too. I will say one of the reasons that I was intrigued about the show before I even walked in the door was in the, in the women who defy panel, um, as they were, were talking about, I can't, I can't remember exactly how they got there. Um, but it was, uh, I think it, I, I, I do not remember how they got there, but Maddie Asson, um, tells the story where she's like, yeah, in my show, um, somebody tries to sexually abuse me and I crush a car on them and spoilers, but it's, it's the premise of the show. It's in the first episode and, and fricking, um, uh, Sarah Campbell looks or says, I want to watch that fricking show right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I like, yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm like, it was just the, yeah. So that's, there's a neat mystery. I love the, I love the family the weird family dynamic, the real kind of mini Brady bunch where it's the, you know, the, the constructed family, the, the mom and the daughter and the father and the daughter. And it just, it works even though it shouldn't, it's right. When you expect you, you kind of think the father, they they're making him out to be not the antagonist, but a negative character. You really kind of see him from another perspective and like, no, he's a really good dude. And, um, Matt Gordon, a Canadian that uh, Lynn doesn't take uh, up. Doesn't I make couldn't remember to. his name, but he was also in Condor for a brief moment. <laughs> and and I knew him from that. So And I knew him from other stuff, but I just couldn't think of his name. So, yes. And Anuko no, Akoma no, from Rookie Blue. And yeah, she no played it. Love. Ugh. Um, yeah. Anuko Akoma, like, no one cares, but she was on the first show I ever um got me into television in the first place so i'm a little a little uh so yeah uh, lastly we all went to the late night you know sort of late night uh, they started the screening at 9 15 for whiskey cavalier and then did a a q a with scott foley uh afterwards uh, don't slam this one no i do agree a little bit with ivy that it's almost it almost goes for a little too comic at one point. Uh, Tries to be with one step too cute. Yeah, and uh, but but overall, this is the type of show that's right up my alley. Uh, they, he even referenced, you know, wanting to do a show like a, you know, like a moonlighting or something like that that has that old, uh, that type of uh, uh, vibe to it, and that's like my all-time favorite show so like i'm 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 in on somebody who's trying to replicate the vibe of that type of show but then it has the fun you know action and an adventure type of spy jinx and and things like that so uh what did you think lynn i was getting worried there when you were starting to say and i was like i forgot that we that we had both enjoyed it and and i just thought it was a lot of fun I I think, you know, a lot of these I, cop shows, like I said before, it's like, you know, cop medical legal things. It's like enough already. 
But we need the fun ones like this. We need to go back. And I think he did mention that where he misses the fun of the Remington Steels and the, and the moonlighting. And I love those shows as well. Um, what I thought was really interesting, and I think, uh, Jason, you and I had talked about it, uh, was the fact that he really held his own on that panel. I mean, he, I mean, he worked that room. I mean, there was a, you know, a bunch of huge Felicity fans and probably a bunch of huge scandal fans. And, you know, they kind of mentioned that, but he really, he played up to it without being, you know, switching the switching gears about, um, the other shows that he's been on. Um, but he was super funny and I think it's really interesting and he must have really high hopes for this or is really positive. The fact that he moved his entire family to Prague and is enrolling his kids in, in school there and everything, I think kind of speaks volumes about the fact that maybe the network has really high hopes for it as well. Or he, you know, maybe he's just, you know, obviously when I, keep I just wish we didn't have to wait till mid season to, to see more of it. That's true. That's true, which is kind of interesting that they would put it mid-season. So I'm kind of thinking something will get canceled and maybe they'll bump it up. Um, but it, it was funny, great chemistry. I mean, there's one scene that just cracks me up every time I think about it. Yeah, I just I just thought it was fun. You know, life's too short to be always serious. And I do watch a lot of fluffy stuff and really heavy dramas, but... This was really fun. So it was a great end to a Saturday, I think. You know, it was kind of a fun thing to have. And to watch with a crowd. Like, you know, I forget because, you know, we we have gone as veterans to ATX Festival. We're used to it now, watching it with our camp buddies and everything else. But for these actors, it must be an incredible experience because they don't get to see how the audience responds to things. I mean, you, yeah, if you're in a, in a feature film, you can sneak into a theater and see it. But when you're with hardcore TV fans and they're laughing at all the punchlines and they're cheering and then they're like, oh, no. And you hear it through, like, a theater. I mean, it's not a massive theater, but I, I'm sure, what, it holds like a 1,000 people or whatever. To hear that reaction, it's like, you know, I, I've said a lot of times, like watching some some really great shows, like Jonathan Tucker in in Kingdom, it's like theater on television. Like the reaction and the and the response, like the feeling you get from watching somebody perform so well, and then to be in an environment where you're hearing the reaction from your work, I just think it's got to be the coolest feeling for them. Um, and it seemed to have a, resp- a response from him, but others have commented on it, like. I remember a couple of years ago, Dennis Leary was was really blown away by it. And then he was critiquing, critiquing the audio in the theater. But um, yeah, it was it was really cool. So what do you think, Ivy? Well, I mean, I think you set me up already. I think my reaction was that it was it was one step too silly for me. But obviously, you know, from the discussion, from Foley's discussion of what he really wanted the show to be, it's intentionally so. Um, I think there's a way to dial dial it down like a half a point kind of thing to really kind of get to a happy medium. But um, this is definitely a show I'm in for, at least for now. Um, it's, you know, we, you, you spoke a couple minutes ago about it being a mid-season show. It's 
we're on like five years, five or six straight seasons of broadcast TV where I'm much more excited about the <laughs> mid-season shows than I am about the um, than the than the fall premieres. I think dating back to when Scandal premiered mid-season and stuff like the Hundred premiered mid-season, and it's just some of the stuff. I'm I am I am year over year more excited for the mid-season replacements than I am the the fall the fall deck. So. Um, I'm in. I I'm in because of Foley. I'm not. I'm I'm not. Not. I'm not necessarily a Cohen detractor, but I'm not. I've not necessarily watched anything that she's in. Um. So, but but I'm, like I said, I'm in for Foley. I think, um, Lynn, you'd mentioned that the the audience was obviously full of Felicity fans and Scandal fans, and then there was that one unit fan and me. <laughs> because That's I, true. You know, there was the one person going crazy for the unit. And then I would have if I wasn't sitting all the way in the back, because um, I was a fan of that most Ricky Tick show. So um, that was a fun show. Uh, I'm fun. in, you know, but it's I'm I'm I am a shade less excited for it today than I I mean walking out of the theater than I was walking in, but only a shade. Do you think Ivy that maybe it, if it gets if it keeps going that way that it'll jump the shark really soon? For me, potentially, but that doesn't. But I, that's a for me thing, right? I, it's 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 I I'm I'm comfortable with comedy. I'm not comfortable with silly, and so yeah. for me, it it could easily be on the wrong side of that spectrum, um, very very quickly. But that doesn't mean I think it's bad. You know what I mean? Like I, I truly like if if moonlighting is the t- is is Jason's touchstone and and it's that kind of of wacky drama comedy kind of thing then you know great but for me if it's if it stays where it's at it might be dicey for me all right so that leaves us with uh sunday there was a handful of things on the uh, sunday uh, which included some of the big uh panels uh, of the festival uh, at least for at least for some for <laughs> well, Jason, if you could go back, I just want to, and I just want to say, and I'm not, I don't like, I feel like if I say this, like I'm making a promise for, for future ATXers and the thing, but we were in a position where, um, Sunday evening or Saturday evening at the, at the Hulu lounge where, uh, the drink tab was being picked up. And, uh, so you had mentioned earlier about wanting all the swag. I was like, trust me. I got my value. Yeah. Out of, yeah. I got my ticket value maybe almost all the way back that Saturday <laughs> evening at the bar. So um, thank you, ATX, for <laughs> making it a, a more financially easier to, to, to take in week. And a more difficult Sunday. You mean, wait, you mean there was panels? You mean there was stuff before the 12 o'clock panel? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. We missed them, too. <laughs> Yeah. Did anybody see Strange Angel? I think Kyle, front think, row Kyle did. Yeah, I think Kyle went uh, and saw it, but he said that they didn't get into the sh- like the first episode just barely touches upon the weird sex cult aspect of the show. Uh, but it, and so he's really not sure how how weird it is yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. has to be the weirdest synopsis I have ever seen. <laughs> Please uh, 
listeners go check out the the synopsis because you just go wait what I think a lot of people probably went to go see that just to see how twisted it really was or what the heck it was yeah the only thing I went to on Sunday was the U screening and Q&A but uh, Lynn you Lynn you went to the Felicity I did did you go to the Felicity thing Ivy yeah me and Lynn were hanging out that's right so what did the uh, how did the uh, how did the uh, Greg Grunberg of it all shake out? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed a trend here um, that a certain fiance of mine doesn't go to panels where my uh, my actor crushes are presenting. Um, Greg Grunberg, uh, you know, I've worked with celebrities, I've met celebrities, you know, but Greg Grunberg, I don't know what it is. He makes me turn into a bumbling idiot um both it's at his cons it is. I, and and you know i'm sorry but when he uh, you have to watch once once the panel comes out people you'll understand what i'm saying but he goes into this very sweet and tragic story when he was um in high school and saying like he was every girl's like best friend out of the guys type of thing and i so would have dated him in high school I, yeah, sorry, hun. Uh, but no, he, he actually—I don't know. It sounds like you're dis- he, you're describing me. In, <laughs> I know. Yeah. In I would have dated you in high school too. Um, I, I thought Jason was about to go. No, I would have dated him in high school too. I, I, I was thinking that too. I'm like, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a. I watched Felicity. I was not one of those people that was standing in line shaking. Although I ran up to the front so I could get a question in because. Yeah, out of my way, Ivy. I gotta make. I gotta <laughs> ask a question. I think, I, as much as I love Greg Grunberg, I think he probably did monopolize the conversation at one point. And Ian Gomez kind of, kind of made a joke about it and was like, "Does anybody have a question for Greg Grunberg?" And I was in line, like flagging away like a crazy person. So, um, yeah, that's me. I'm sorry to ATX and the people standing behind me. Uh, I think it was really interesting. What's funny about it was the fact that because it's, you know, such a long time ago that, you know, the actors have gone on, they moved on with their lives, they've got married, divorced, had kids, had other hit shows. And, you know, like Carrie Russell, they were asking her questions and she's like, did I do that? Who was that? And so they really hadn't rewatched the show. So there were a lot of details that they didn't know. And the um, moderator who I will pull up because I've forgotten her name, Lennon Parnham from Playing House, was like such a hardcore fan. She was basically saying, no, that happened. She pretty much was like an encyclopedia. It was almost like she said, no, that was in season three, episode two. So she was she was a perfect moderator for it. You know, I think I think it was really interesting to hear yeah, how I'd the character... Yeah, I actually paid attention to who the moderator was going to be. I might have actually gone to that panel just because I think she's yeah. hilarious. She was really quite funny. And when she when she came on stage, she was so excited. And, you know, I think that's the great thing about ATX. I mean, they do obviously have established reporters that are moderating the panels, but then they get somebody like um, like Lennon, who is such a hardcore fan that they just bring so much more to the table because they know the show inside and out and they come at it from a fan perspective. So they're asking questions of the cast that the fans would want to ask. So I think she, she did a really great job of that. Um, I of course had to ask about 
the one of the only episodes maybe this is why i fell in love with greg grunberg is because one of the only episodes i ever saw of him was with when he was sporting assless chaps to, to try to be more goth like his girlfriend um and so i asked that question um and the cast did not know that he wasn't going to be wearing something underneath so when he turned to do the reveal with his bare ass um their reactions were real so that was kind of fun um yeah i mean i jumped out after i think i said my q a and was all hot and flustered i mean i've met greg grimberg a few times through band from tv but again i just turn into a bumbling idiot the way i guess other people there turn into bumbling idiots you know um because it was such an important show in their lives there was one person who had created like a a yearbook and wanted them to sign it. So I really do love that about the festival. Um, you know, it kind of celebrates the geekdom and the, the fan, um, aspect of it in, in such an intimate way. And I think, you know, I think the casts and crews that, that come to the festival are sort of a different breed of talent too. Um, there was a couple of people that I saw later on, um, I wouldn't call them trolls, but I, I really feel that they've ruined the spirit of the festival. There's a couple of people that are, you know, trying to get autographs and sign things, um, but they're selling them. Guaranteed, they're selling them. One of them actually had a badge this year, and I got really um, uppity about it and because they were, like, aggressively acting like the paparazzi, like, Carrie, Carrie, sign this, sign this, Carrie, Carrie. And it was just ridiculous and it ruined the spirit of the festival. And um, Jason was walking with me, and who was beside us? It was some network executive who heard me yelling. It was John Landgraf from FX. <laughs> yeah, so... And he was like, yeah, they um, are... I deal with them all the vultures. time. They are uh, <laughs> they are ruining the spirit of the festival. Yeah. So I, I really think, you know, that was my last... Um, oh, no, I saw you. But as an ATX festival thing, that was kind of... I want to say that was my last thing because I think it just signifies the whole camp aspect of it and, and the love of a show. And I think, you know, Emily and Caitlin have been, this was kind of on their wish list since the festival started. So I'm sure they were geeking out backstage about that. Um, but should we talk about you? Cause we were making stupid puns about you. <laughs> Pretty no, much you should talk about you. all <laughs> Sunday. There were some no, problems. I don't want to talk about you at all. Hey, uh, I only came to the festival for you, so. Yeah, see? This see? is what I'm saying. <laughs> it works for everything. It's the greatest show title ever. It, because was, it, it was funny when uh, somebody, we were standing in line out front. I was, I was standing with Kyle. And somebody came up to one of the volunteers and because there were two things going to be happening. And so he was, you know, uh, trying to figure out which line was for what. Uh, and uh, and the, the volunteer goes, what are you here for? And he says, I'm here for you. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's so uh, perfect. It just struck me the... so funny that you're just like, uh, whoa, that's uh, <laughs> that's the pickup line of the festival right there. Yeah. And it was such a crazy, sh like... As much as I said, you know, like Felicity was one of those shows that kind of capped off the camp experience, ATX camp experience. You was also one of those ones because what I love so much about the festival is it brings these crazy, quirky shows 
And you're like, oh man, I probably would have never have tuned in if I had, you know, if I hadn't have been at the festival or, you know, there may be a show you go see with a friend because it works with your schedule or your barbecue lunch date or whatever. And you end up seeing these really great shows that you tune into um, and become a fan of. I, you know, I think I watched Gossip Girl a little bit and I was like, whatever. Um, Penn Badgley is the perfect, perfect uh, actor to play this role. Um, it is really, I guess, you know, kind of a love story with potentially a crazy psychopath. Yeah. Um, you know, read read the synopsis. It's just, you know, he's so perfect because one look at Penn Badgley and you go, oh my God, he's such a sweet, sensitive soul. And the next minute you're like, I'm locking my doors and keeping all the lights on because he's creeping me out. So I think it's perfect casting. Um, Elizabeth Lale, who plays a potential love interest, is really captivating. Um, the questions afterwards, like at first it was like, Penn Badgley does not want to be here. He, could, he couldn't have looked any less interested. I mean, I have the world's worst resting bitch face, but man, he was coming pretty close. He did not look like he wanted to be there. And then as the Q&A went on, or as the moderator went on, and then when the Q&A started, he really started to become engaged. And I was like, okay, he gets it now. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, I definitely am going to keep an eye out for this one. It's, it, you don't know which way you want to root for. Um, do you want them to get together? Or are you afraid for them to get together? <laughs> And, and I think that was one of the key things that a lot of people were asking because they, you know, it's like, am I crazy because I want them to be together or am I not crazy because there is something there? So what did you guys think? What did you think? Uh, I, you know, Impulse was the show I knew walking out of, out of, the, out of the festival that I was most I knew I was going to like the most of everything that I watched. You is the one that I am most excited to watch, even though I'm, I I don't at all know if I'm going to like it or not. And I think it's, I really like how they, uh, there's some, I mean, there are that absolutely some things, even on the technical level to not like about the show. Um, there's an ongoing, monologue from one of the characters that's critical for the show, but I think it's almost too deadpan. Um, there's very little emotion in it, and I don't find that believable. Um, Lynn mentioned Elizabeth Lau, who I think has, she's one of those people that I've never seen her in anything else. Well, I don't, I've not necessarily recognized her from anything else, um, but I know looking at her IMDb page, I've seen her in other things, but She's one of those people that looks like the, she could find a way to have chemistry with a brick wall. She's just that engaging, um, which pulls you into the dynamic even more, which is fantastic. Um, I really this is another one of those shows that's it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. But um, Len's comment about how the progression of the Q&A went, I think, was spot on. Um, it even felt like once it got into the fan or the audience questions, it was apparent that the audience didn't know what to make of the show, which I think was the intention. And then someone, I'm not naming names, me, um, asked, a, asked a question that all of a sudden everyone on the panel seemed to perk up about. And they're like, 
that's what we're getting at. That's what we we are absolutely not going to tell you if you're supposed to like X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, well, that's ballsy because it's it's a pretty, you know, the character is is as the the potentially psychopathic killer um, is it's is one of the main characters and is the is one of the love interests. And you're just like, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to like him or not. It was essentially where I landed. And so I, I, I say that is, is I, that's the show, the question that I asked, I asked Sarah Gamble, I was like, are you as a, is the show going to have a stance on this? I think, are we at the end, at the end of this season or at any point, are we supposed to know definitively? And they're like, no, you're not. That's, and that's the point of the, that's the point of the story is to not take a side is to present the story as is and let, the audience figure out if it's a good thing, if this potential relationship is a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm looking forward to that because I, I think knowing that going into it alleviates any concerns that I would have in my bias against unanswered questions um, as a whole uh, or, or undetermined, re- you know what I mean? Like, or, or non-definitive endings, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but knowing that that's the whole point, even before I eat, you know, from Jump Street, I'm really interested in watching the show. I have no idea if I'm going to like it or not. Yeah, because it is super strange <laughs> in that the the way the relation, you know, it's got the meet cute and all that type of stuff. But it, the backside of it spins out of control pretty quickly in just the first episode. And on the face of it, you're supposed to sort of be like, that's not right, right? Like, that's like, uh, I shouldn't be for, uh, you know, like him, some of the things that he's doing and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, it's a real uh, strange, strange one. But I think you're right, Lynn, like, uh, the casting is uh, is perfect uh, for this type of thing, and then I think you're right too, Ivy. That like she does have, she could probably have you know chemistry with uh, a green pillow, but you know it's all. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, that's not a blue pillow, a green pillow. Okay, I have to remember Audience. that one. Listeners. <laughs> That will be particularly funny when you watch the first episode. Right. Uh, oh my god, I totally forgot that reference. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, sorry. Uh, I was just laughing at a green pillow, not a blue pillow, and now I get it. Yeah. Delayed reaction. Yeah. She didn't have a delayed reaction. No, apparently not. Boom. That was good. Nicely played. Oh my god, I totally forgot. Uh, but yeah, oh so God. so yeah, I think I think the way and you know just the way like where it ends, you're just like okay, like this is gone because the description makes it sound you know like he uses social media and things like that to separate people out of her life and you know sort of make him more prominent uh, in her life, uh, and he does, but like it goes places much quicker than I would have thought based on the original, you know, reading the original description. I hope they make it a limited series. 
Well, apparently, this is apparently there's more than one book. Yeah. That the, that this is based on. So uh, it does make me do want to like find out like where this goes, <laughs> like what. But as you said, and it's true, things happen really quickly. And, you know, going back to the whole um, sharp objects thing, I think sometimes a slow build is what you want to maintain a series. Because I can't imagine watching this five seasons from now. <laughs> like, there's going to have to be a massive payoff. Like, at the rate they're going, there's going to be a massive payoff at the finale or something. But, yeah. See, I'm not I so don't know. Sure. I felt you're not so sure that there's going to be a massive payoff. No, I, 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 I think this could be one of those shows that under very purposely under delivers the ending and makes the viewer deal with that fact. That's a now. Yeah, I'm going to eat my words because, you know, that's a really, really good point. I take back what I said. What, <laughs> what, what Ivy said. <laughs> what you said? I thought what you what, said was great. Yeah. <laughs> no, what you said. What you oh. all said was good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was our festival. Uh, if you don't include uh, bumping into uh, Greg Grunberg on uh, walking through the stores of uh, SoCo. Yeah. Got my picture. But yeah, that was a fun. Uh, it was a fun, fun weekend. Uh, it turned out to be fairly eventful. Well, there was <laughs> yes, it was a very engaging uh, <laughs> festival this year. Uh, he went there. Uh, but going into it for me, there was no one or or even a handful of like things that I was just like uh, super interested to see. It ended up being mostly screenings. Like I ended up going to like nine different screenings uh, over the course of the festival uh, because there wasn't, you know, last year there was, you know, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, there was a Northern Exposure, you know, reunion. You know, there was a, there was a bunch of things last year that like would, that were all, you know, high on my they were high on my fast pass list because I wanted to make sure not just because I was using it to, you know, get in and out of things really quickly or, or whatnot, but because I wanted to make sure I actually got into those things. Uh, so yeah, there was, so there wasn't one or two of those type of, uh, uh, where there, and there, there wasn't the first year I went, but there was something the second year, and then the then the the third year there's been and so I I find it interesting like it's it's just a, if you're a TV fan it's just a fun time and you're probably going to find something uh, that you're going to like you know like you said Ivy like you ended up uh, finding a couple of shows that uh, uh, that you like but you also ended up finding uh, a couple of panels like the the military one and stuff like that that turned out to be uh, really interesting to uh, participate in and stuff. And so I think it's, I'll just say it's definitely, it's definitely worth going to if you're a TV fan. What would you say, Lynn? Yeah, I, I think besides, you know, 
the obvious. I, I think I went in this year, same thing, like looking forward to seeing my, you know, my friends and, and you, of course, but nothing that really was like, oh my God, I have to go. I mean, we bought our passes last year, you know, back in the day when the Friday Night Light stuff um, was such a big influence on the festival. That was my big kicker. But because there is that spirit of the festival, um, I was a little worried about it this year. I think we mentioned it um, in our pre-event um, podcast, you know, that there wasn't anything, you know, the, the organizers are really trying to get everything squared away that would draw people to attend the festival. But I think it kind of went back to the spirit of the festival. And I wouldn't say the magic was back besides, you know, the glorious post uh, opening night screening, but those quirky little shows are what, what makes the festival, the festival. I think the fact um, that I think the talent is recognizing the impact of coming to the festival, um, I think is a really big deal. I kind of miss the interaction with, you know, there were some ambassadors there and like Nick and Matt are amazing, but I kind of miss that magic of them mingling, you know, after the events and going to the bar and stuff. But I think the way this schedule was put out this year was a little bit wonkier. So it didn't really invite that. Um, but it's such a great festival, you know, even as, even if there isn't one key thing that drives you to there, you're, you're going to come away with a great experience. You know, Austin's a fantastic town. Apparently the bats were there this year. We missed them. I think we have jinxed them, Jason. Yeah, I think they don't come um, out for they, us. <laughs> they don't come out for us. The mosquitoes come out for you, but not the bats, um, which would, yeah. So which is I, the problem, because the bats come out and eat the mosquitoes. So that's where I was all, going, and I was like, it, it's all going circular. off on a tint. Going off, yeah. So I just, you know, for your listeners, I, I can't recommend this festival enough it's such a great venue like the venues besides the uncomfortable seats it's so great because you're within walking distance to everything you're close to cooper's barbecue right ivy hey um you know it you you're talking to people in line like i went to quite i think one or two um screenings and panels by myself and i'm talking to people in line and finding out that, you know, they live in a border town and they're watching CBC shows like Working Moms, which I can't stress enough how great it is. And it was just so cool. Like you're meeting the the most interesting people while standing in line. And I really think um, that's the thing that, that makes me keep coming back. And now, you know, over the years, met so many great people. Um, it just makes it that much more fun. How about you, Ivy? Yeah, I think, you know, looking back at our, our preview show a couple of weeks ago, I the concerns I had, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the heck out of the show. This is only my second year, um, but I really have a good time. It's really my people, as I like to say. It's like people with the same interests and the same, the, the people that are showing up to ATX are just as passionate as you are, which is always really good. Um I, I've got a little. I, I feel like the the overall schedule this year, and I think we I think we called this out a couple weeks ago, was less complete, less full, less less something um, than last year and maybe the previous couple of years. Um, I think that might be 
might not have been fair, but I think um, as a show is as as an expo like this grows over its first ten years, you you need to see kind of linear growth or exponential growth. I don't know that this is a year that the programming grew, and I don't mean numerically or star power wise. I just it felt like it was at best it was on par with last year, and you always kind of want to see that to grow. And I think the attendance numbers may have proven that that. Uh, may have you, you might have seen some of that, um, but at the end of the day, kind of so what? I I hope that this is just a it was a, a rough patch they rebound because for all of the reasons that Len laid out, this is a great, great fun weekend to be a part of, and I'm you know I've bought my ticket for next year already, which is I've never in my in my two full years of going, I've never bought the ticket during the show, but I've absolutely bought it for next year and will be there. Um, at Cooper's on Thursday with bells on. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, uh, thank you both for uh, joining me uh, again to uh, talk about the ATX Television Festival Season 7 and uh, all of the fun we had there. Uh, as always, you can find links to the uh, news stories we talked about and also where you can uh, find us online uh, in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 394. And uh, thank you again, uh, Lynn and Ivy, for uh, joining me on the podcast. No, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> thank Darn you. It. You beat me to it. 